two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he churned that cream into the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, catch me if you can. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me Welcome, everyone, to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the big boss man, Rick Barrasso. <laughs> I hate you. And I <laughs> wreck the big deck, Boski. We are going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which one is the greatest of them all. And Derek, today we have a guest. Am I right? We do have a guest. It is my buddy all the way from not quite England at this point. He is actually over in Mexico now. He's, he's just a world traveler. Uh, my good friend, very talented musician and songwriter, Jack Manning. Jack, so good to have you on here. Thanks for having me, Rick and Derek. Pleasure to be doing this. I've done your, your other podcast, Derek, but honored to be doing this one. Yes, yes, I've had you on both, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm eager, I'm waiting, and I'm excited to hear about how you feel about this movie. So I'm, I'm excited to get into this with you. Yeah, we're definitely all going to get into that, Jack. Happy to have you on the show. Let's talk about the movie. What the rest of the world thought about the movie, we should say before we uh, get into it. But let's take care of some business first. Last week we talked it chapter one, Derek. Pretty hard on it. Yeah, pretty hard on that. Didn't movie. love that one. But it's a great episode. Check it out. Let us know if you disagree. You can find that episode or any of our shows on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use. Subscribe, review if you can. It's extremely helpful for the show. And if you enjoyed that one or if there's any other movie you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook. We are at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And of course, as our old friend, Bruce Wayne, at least I think he was Bruce Wayne. He may have given us a false name, but uh, I think he's friends with Barry Allen. Tell your friends about us. But now we're churning that cream into butter with Catch Me If You Can. Catch Me If You Can is a 2002 crime drama-ish Directed by Steven Spielberg, based on the life story of con man Frank Abagnale Jr. Stars Leonardo DiCaprio as Abagnale, Tom Hanks as Carl Hanratty, Christopher Walken as Frank Abagnale Sr., and Amy Adams as Brenda Strong. It made $352.1 million on a $52 million budget. There's an 8.1 on IMDb, a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 75% on Metacritic. Roger Ebert says three out of four stars and I quote good story. Great review, Rog. <laughs> uh, Richard Roper said that Spielberg perfectly captures the mood of the sixties 
For negative one, Peter Travers from Rolling Stone says two out of four and that it is overly long. One thing I found in the reviews of this movie is that the word breezy came up in probably 60% of the reviews. Breezy, huh? Breezy. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. The, the fact that so many reviewers use the exact same word was like dumbfounding. But guys, do you remember when you first saw this movie or did you have any significant experiences with the movie that we want to talk about? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll jump on this quick. I, I think I saw this for the first time maybe a year ago. And this is my second my second really? time seeing wow. it. Yeah, it was always a movie that I kind of accidentally avoided. It wasn't because I didn't want to see it. It's just because I just never got a chance to, which is, you know, I have a lot of people with a lot of movies. But I remember liking it, and I, did, I couldn't remember a lot of it, but I, I kind of remembered the ending. And I said, uh, yeah, I was kind of excited to see this again because I did remember it being fun. And that's one word that I, I keep using is it's a lot of fun to see a chase in a movie, but a chase that happens from beginning to end. And it's, a, you know, that's really, really cool. But uh, yeah, this is my second watch of the movie. And I'm sure I'll be watching it more in, in the future. So that was, uh, I, th- I don't remember. I think it was just at home in my apartment. I just watched it and I was like, oh, I got to throw this on. So that's my memory yeah. of that. <laughs> Um, very similar to Derek, I, I think even more recent, I want to say like four months ago. And yeah, exactly how you described it, Derek. It was one of those movies I wasn't intentionally avoiding, but, you know, I never sat down to watch it. Um, I, remember, I, I remember being a kid and seeing the posters around 2002 when it came out. But so all I knew nothing about it, didn't know the storyline, didn't know that it was based on a true story. And to go back to that word breezy, but kept coming up in the reviews, it just looked like a really lighthearted, fun movie and it was literally one of those where you're just looking for something to watch on an evening just before bed and I put it on I remember mean, there's that opening shot where he's in like a French prison with a long hair and a beard and I was like oh this is a little bit darker than the poster <laughs> right, possibly right. indicated <laughs> I actually had forgotten that when I watched the movie I was like oh he, they show him when he's like his hair grew out and stuff this is very uh this is very gangs in New York which is the same year yeah so I saw it probably like 2004 whenever it was on cable it was on hbo or something like that and i was very kind of like still in my post titanic uh you know teenage boy like fuck leonardo dicaprio mode (laughs) and i i want it was like okay spielberg hanks like i'll give it a shot and then like between this and uh gangs of new york i was like okay leo's all right like we can, we can, we can move on now. Yeah. Spielberg and Scorsese both nab them. You yeah. Know? So that's, I like, we'll talk more about Leo, but uh, let's talk about what happens in this movie first. Uh, this may be a quick one, but I'm going to tell everyone what happens in this movie. If you haven't seen it, I mean, if you haven't go check it out, but Derek, have you chosen a song to time me out this week? Yep. So, and, and if you've, those of you who are new listeners and don't know, instead of using a clock and like a normal person, I go ahead on Spotify and I pick a song and I listen to it for 30 seconds while Rick rambles about the movie. Uh, so the song I chose is um, has absolutely nothing to do with the movie. It's the banquet sequence from the movie Hook. And it's John, John Williams. It's John so Williams. it has something to do with the movie. Well, yeah. You know what? You always make you always yeah. turn it and you're always sport the you movie. Know, you know what, Rick? You know, <laughs> I forgot John Williams, you know, maybe because it wasn't the most memorable, memorable John Williams. Maybe that's why. Um, that Does I he do? I haven't I haven't look it up, but did he do kind of like the sort of jazzy intro? 
I don't know about that. Because a lot of the movie has a lot of like songs too. So like there's yeah. John Williams, you know what I mean? There's definitely points in it where I like I heard the score and it's like, okay, that's John Williams. Uh, yeah, but like there's a lot of non-Williamsy stuff. Oh, yeah. That little theme, yeah. Yeah, it's, Catch Me If You Can is like the name of the little theme. Yeah. And I think that was him. So Yeah, yeah it, it sounded like a little bit. Of, like I, I could hear influences here and there, but throughout the movie, I didn't hear like a, a memorable score, you know? But maybe next time I watch, I'll have to listen to it. But anyways, uh, this is the banquet. I'm listening to the banquet from Hook. So that you're delicious in- looking. Delicious. Oh, oh just, my just, God. Just bowls That's- of frosting. Yeah. <laughs> Blue mashed potato looking. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. All right, Rick, ready? Yep. Three, two, one, go. 17-year-old Frank Abagnale Jr. takes up the life of a con man when his parents divorce. Pursued by FBI agent Carol Hanratty, Abagnale takes on the identity of a pilot, a doctor, and a lawyer. The criminal and the agent for his mutual respect. Hanratty eventually catches Frank in France and has him extradited to the U.S. The FBI uses Frank's expertise and check forgery to catch other criminals and remove him from prison under Carl's authority. That's it. That's what happens. All right, sorry, I, I was I didn't I was gonna hit unmute and then the song would have went through. Dun dun Okay, anyways. Uh <laughs> that was twenty-two seconds, so that was a quick one. Derek, if I'm a maggot sandwich, why don't you just eat me? Uh <laughs> we're gonna do hook soon, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about what we that's what happens in the movie, basically. A lot more detail, very fun movie. Let's talk about our three favorite scenes. So as a guest, Jack, you can go first. What's your number three scene in this movie? Okay, number three. I think, so I was thinking about this the other day. I think my third favorite scene, which is kind of a weird choice because it's one of the slightly darker, I guess, moments of the film, but when he's masquerading as a surgeon and then the doctors take him in to see that guy who's like horribly cut up his leg or whatever and he's bleeding out We're like doctor what do we do and he's just kind of like um uh. you concur <laughs> yeah oh so that that just because of like that's just like pushing the pushing the absolute limits of his like how much he can bullshit the rest of the world this is like a situation like how is he gonna talk his way out of this there's a guy bleeding out on the gurney in front of him yeah, it's like, is are the people that he's he's like confusing and screwing? Are they really dumb, or is Abagnale really smart, or is it like just a yeah. mix of both? Because <laughs> I'm like, seriously, like I feel like if you're gonna hire a doctor at that level, like he's he's like the, the main doctor, wouldn't you like call some references and be like, I know he's got the certificate, he's got like the degree, whatever he's at the well known, but like I still feel like if you're hiring somebody at that level, maybe it's because it was the early '60s, maybe times were different, but I don't know, kind of I mean, odd. There's a lot in this movie that you, you kind of have to be like, yeah, it's a movie. This is not <laughs> right, how right. it happened Definitely, in real life. Definitely, a hundred percent, Rick. Yeah, yeah. you can it, put, poke holes in all of it all day, but. and it's it's super fun and like I, you know, just just reading even like the IMDb trivia, it's like Abig the real Abig Nails. It's like no, it didn't happen that way. Of course, yeah, not. yeah, yeah, exactly. You're right, stupid. <laughs> I would never do that. Or um or uh, Carl Carl Hanratty wasn't his real name, and he wasn't even the only guy who chased him. He was just like a, a mishmash of a bunch of people who chased Abagnale. The whole like spine of the movie, basically, it's like I would never fucking call a guy on Christmas every year. Am I dumb? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. So, Derek, what uh, what is your number three scene? So, my number three uh, was actually when Frank narrowly escapes. Uh, Hanratty the first time when Hanratty shows up into his like his room and he just immediately pretends that he's like undercover and he's trying to find Frank himself 
and he's just like walking around like look at all these things i'm looking through all these things and he got away and all this stuff and and and, and hanratty at first is like wait a minute and he's is he screwing with me and then he's like oh well this must be legit because he knows what he's talking about and he seems like and then you know uh frank is like i gotta go i gotta go bring this stuff downstairs when i come back up we'll we'll talk about it or whatever and he leaves him his wallet and then he opens the wallet <laughs> up and there's just like nothing that's of importance whatsoever well we um, see we see uh before this frank like peeling the labels off of stuff yeah right and we, and we don't know and like we see in this scene like the labels are off everything in his hotel room as well right and uh he he you know, for me, for me, I'm like, you know, maybe it's early on for Hanratty, but I feel like I'd have some guys ready to grab him. But he's, he only looks at the window and he just sees Frank walking away down the sidewalk. And it's well, like, yeah, he didn't even like I don't think he thought he was going to be there because right. the, 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 ho- the guy at the hotel was like, oh, yeah, I don't want any trouble for him. I guess it's like you tell me he's here. Right, he's right. Not expecting to see him. That, so he's kind of underprepared. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That makes sense. But yeah, that's my number three. So my number three scene is the scene where Hanretti tracks Frank down in Louisiana at his engagement party. And specifically when he's trying to explain to Amy Adams, to Brenda, yeah, what if I had a different name? What if I was, you know, Frank this or Frank that or like what, whatever. And it's like, what if I wasn't a Lutheran? And Brenda's like, you're not a Lutheran? <laughs> That's the thing that she says. <laughs> yeah. Amy Adams is like no perfect in this. Movie. Yo, she's great. She's great. She's phenomenal. She, I'll spoil it. She didn't quite make my top three, but Same. that's because this movie is absolutely fucking stacked with fun yeah. and great performances. Uh, yep. She's And this is like before she's a big star. Like this is kind of her. Oh, yeah. Because this is 2002. Her big breakout really is like a leading lady is like enchanted. Enchanted. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Which, again, she's phenomenal in, but she's, like, not a huge star. She'd had, like, bit roles in comedies before this, or, like, supporting roles in comedies before this. And she goes toe-to-toe with Leo, who is coming off of Titanic. And Yeah, she's u- uber-talented. Yeah. She's great. And then, like, the... I'm always a sucker for these types of scenes where uh, Frank is in the car and, like, just watching her through the mirror and like notices all the FBI guys around already. He's like, yeah, damn it. Right. Right. It's kind of heartbreaking too. Cause you can tell that like she, they totally got to her. She's kind of like that, that girl who's like, she probably can't keep a secret, <laughs> you know? Mm. So I'm wondering for me, I kind of felt like if she could help it, she probably wouldn't have spread the beans. Um, but spread the beans, spread the beans. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I say now. Interesting. So, like, you've okay. already spilt the beans, and yeah. then you proceed to spread them. Oh, yeah, the, the, well, because they're already spilt at that point. But I'm talking. She's, spread, well. she's spreading the beans. I mean, it's kind of hard to spread beans on bread, <laughs> but you know, you can be creative. Get it. Get like a nice French, Get it. Get a nice French bread. Yeah, and yeah. Then spread it. <laughs> Refrieds are made for spreading. Yeah. Right. I don't know who wants a wants a, a yeah a bean sandwich, but you know, whatever. All right. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Good scene, Rick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> one other note about that scene that i love is that that uh, that that steven spielberg and i read this on the imdb tri- trivia she probably read this as well rick it was like a spielberg does this thing where he uses mirrors and uh, tom hanks walks in the room and you can see his reflection in the mirror but you can see amy adams character sitting there it was like a cool ca- it was a cool camera shot yeah um and i love the, the money kind of floating around too it's very eerie and sort of like he's gone in the mist but these money's floating around very very cool scene steven spielberg great director who to thunk uh, <laughs> Jack, what do you have for number two? 
So my number two, now I don't, this is such a short moment. I don't even know if it qualifies as a scene or more just like a kind of chunk of dialogue, but there's that bit where Tom Hanks is in his boss, uh, Hanrat is in his boss's office. And then he's explaining his favorite joke. <laughs> and then yeah. he, re- he, re- he repeats the first like half of it. And then it cuts to a different scene. Like, yeah. That, 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 yeah. The that, same joke again. Now, Jack, I'm told you have a hell of a Boston accent. Oh, I don't know where you heard that. <laughs> oh, I don't know either. Where could you have heard that? But we got to hear, you got to oh, hear your Boston accent. Oh, fucking um, well, And I will oh, say, I think it's a fair chance that it's better than Tom Hanks' Boston accent. I <laughs> would agree. I could, well, Gia was like, you know, she's like, Tom Hanks' accent, man. I'm like, you know what? The, the problem is that everybody who does a Boston accent, they go full force. And like, not everybody is full force. You can just be from Boston and sound like me or Rick. It's, it's fine. He's Tom <laughs> Hanks. He makes it work. But it's... It's it's yeah oh, no. it's pedal to the metal Boston right. park the car and have like it over, kind of yeah. over the, it's almost like the departed like are you a cop <laughs> a cop oh it looks like Queen is meeting with all of them I <laughs> <laughs> hear uh, a joke knock knock <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny we were talking about this in the, on my other podcast which by the way, has been on hiatus, but is coming back. That was season one, the first 20 episodes, the next 20 episodes of season two. But we were talking about that, uh, how I think that people from England like to do American accents and people from America want to just do English accents. It's just, mm. they want to be each other. It's funny. I, I love it. I think it's hysterical. Uh, yeah. And I'll, I guess it's funny because we'll never understand the others fascinate. Like I'll never understand why y'all are so fascinated with England. And then probably you feel the same, vice versa. Right, right. It's, it's for us. I feel like English accents are just elegant. They're they're just you know what they, you know what they are. They're handsome. You, you have a handsome accent. Does that make sense? I, I mean, I, thank you very much. I, I, I assume you're talking about me specifically, Derek, and not all. Oh, of I mean, you know, I think you're very handsome. But, Listen, Derek, you made us fucking watch Oliver, and we're not going to talk about handsome British accents when you brought like, oh, it's Oliver. Listen, listen. <laughs> Oliver is a great movie, and I will not have you slander it. We'll, we'll see how that. The, how that ranks in our 50 I countdown. really don't care how it ranks in anyone's because <laughs> it's a good movie <laughs> no well I think accents I I like when they're very England English accents are very interesting to me because of how much they vary in a relatively smaller area than America like America has a vast range of accents and you know we're all mm-hmm. thinking about our you know our friends and listeners down in Louisiana right now <laughs> but like the Cajun accent is very interesting, but it's thousands of miles from like a Boston accent. Right. You know, there's, there's accents that I love. Like I love listening to anybody from Minnesota. I think it's hilarious. Like, oh, okay. Okay. You, okay. Chicago, yeah. Yeah. Like that kind of thing is like hilarious. Like, you know, yeah. Amber, get me my smokes. Like that kind of accent is funny to me. Like from Minnesota, oh, Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously California has their own thing, but Boston and New York, they're not too far apart from each other. People I feel like can confuse them a little bit. Yeah. We don't say our R's all the time. I purposefully say my R's because I just, I don't want it. I don't want, when I get mad in the car, I, yeah, my, my like Italian American Boston comes out. But other than that, I always pronounce my letters just so people are like, Oh, well, you're kind of, you're kind of not dumb. <laughs> no, like, I guess it's one of those, like you said, when you're, when you're getting passionate about or something or angry about something, then the true like Boston comes out and you don't have that filter or whatever. When that happens to you, like when you get angry, does it like does your does your like English lingo like really ramp up? He just starts a little rhyming. bit, yeah. 
I think, yeah, it was just co- Cockney rhyming slang. <laughs> I think one thing about British and the British accent, I will say with pride, is we we swear well. Like swear words are delivered well in a British accent. Yeah, uh, like, yeah. Delivered with, with vitriol and conviction. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's. I feel like English actors. This may just be how English actors are. You know, come through the business as opposed to American actors. But I feel like English actors at a much higher rate have good American accents as opposed to American actors having good British accents. Yeah. I'm trying to think of an example of the latter. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, I would say American uh, uh, if you ever watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the actor who plays Spike. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, total American. But Wow, I never knew that. Well, jo- yeah. jo- Johnny Depp tries to do like a British accent in every movie, but it's always the same accent. He's like, I'm Johnny Depp and I'm Captain Sparrow. I'm Johnny Depp and I'm Sweeney Todd. I'm Johnny Depp and I'm in this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like he does the same accent in every movie, but I'm like, I guess he's trying to be British. <laughs> I'll tell you who I think it just popped into my head is a really good British actor at doing American accents is Tom Hardy. Yeah. Oh, he's just great he's at doing a, any any accent, in my opinion. Well, he's just Tom Hardy. He can, he can do anything. I'm assuming you've seen Peaky Blinders? Uh, I've not, like, watched it, watched it, but I've seen bits of it. If you is can tell me if you, if you could tell me what he says in that show, Tom Hardy, his accent is so thick. It's, inc- it's incredible. Mm. I have no idea what the hell he's saying, and it's amazing. <laughs> that's a really random, kind of like, almost like Boston. That's a, it's, it's a Birmingham accent. So it's a, from a city called Birmingham. And it's such a weird, niche, unique one, kind of like the New England. Right, right. It's, it's very, even I'd struggle. I've not seen it, but I know people who speak like that. And it's, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it has to do with, like, me as a young kid, like, listening to the Beatles. Like, I was just like, I don't care when anyone says I want to sound like a Beatle. <laughs> so I would mimic it my whole life and be like, oh, you know, just try to do an English accent and trying to do – because the Beatles also have, like, animated English accents. They're, like, they're almost cartoonish, you know? Well, have you, uh, before we move on, like, have you, have you ever watched that Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story? That's, that's, that's actually my favorite movie of all time. Really? Oh, well, besides, I would say besides The Godfather, I would say Dewey Cox is a movie I can literally watch 10 times a day and never get sick of. It's, I think it's really underrated. And I love how it just takes, takes like, makes fun of all the biopics that came out around that time, like the Ray Charles one. And, yeah, Jack and Black does scene. the worst, worst Paul McCartney impression, I think, on purpose. Well, was, is, it, is it Justin Long, Jason Schwartzman, Jack Black, and somebody else? I can't remember. Paul, Paul Rudd is Lennon, right? Oh, it's Paul Rudd, right? Paul yeah. Rudd, yeah, yeah. A quartet of the like... finest British, finest British actors. <laughs> well, Paul Rudd, like he does, like you know, he does a decent Lennon, like it's 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 exaggerated. You know, everyone else is a Jack Black is like we're like grains of sand. I'm like that's not how Paul talks. Paul is more of a voice <laughs> like this. His mouth is a little bit more closed when he talks. And Jack Black yeah. didn't even try. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but anyways, we're, we're going off on tangents. Here. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got my, my walking impression out of the way uh, at the top of the episode. <laughs> so where, where were we? Were you, uh, Derek, your number two? My number two is um, uh, when Frank escapes the airplane. <laughs> and he like the next thing he's like at his mother's house. Um, I, w- I couldn't believe it. I was like, I didn't remember the scene where he like escapes the plane through the bathroom. And I'm like, how is this even possible? And yeah, you know, it, it's me. It, it is mad. And Hanratty opens up the, the toilet and he's like, I, he like falls in himself <laughs> trying to look for him. And then like Frank, the plane's still like moving and he jumps out and stuff and he goes to his mother's house and he peeks through the window and sees his mom in there. He sees his, um, you know, her, her new husband. And then he sees a little girl who would be his stepsister. And it's really, it's really sad. It's, it's, 
Huh? Half sister, I think. Is it? Would it be half? Well, if it's if his mother is. Oh, the, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's true. Yeah, it's a half sister. Uh, but it's like one of the one of the more emotional scenes in the movie where you're like. Yeah, you know, he, he almost feels like his mother's forgotten him. But I don't know. It's it's throughout the movie. I always wonder, like, does he call his mom? Is he still mad at his mom? Did she call him? Because he's always talking to his father, like, have you talked to mom type thing? So I'm like, I wonder what his relationship is with her. It's probably not too good. Um, but it's kind of a sad and emotional scene. You know, he's kind of like the forgotten son or something like that. But uh, it's a really, really good, uh, good scene. Yeah, very. I, I this is kind of it's this is weirdly a kind of a Christmas movie. Like a lot of it takes place on Christmas, but yeah, but like okay, so people are like oh, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. If if a movie has one holiday in it, does that mean it's like it's, it's oh, they, well, oh, they happen to be Easter in one of the scenes. Oh, it's an Easter movie. Like well, like this they they call it out. This is I don't know. This is I mean in December we have a couple of back to back movies. You know, is it a Christmas movie? And you know this would fit into that series. This movie because it's like a lot of it takes place on Christmas. They talk about Christmas. It kind of has family themes, but it's not really a Christmas movie. Right, uh, right. Yeah, Christmas is mentioned quite a few times yeah. in this movie. Yeah, that's true. But there's no, like, Christmas theme in it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there's this – well, we'll – yeah. Uh, so my number two scene is – Derek, you already mentioned it. It's when Frank outsmarts Hanratty for the first time at the hotel. Just a fun, breezy scene. Uh, <laughs> Jack, number one. So I, I I don't know if you guys are going to say this is number one. I feel like you might, but it, for me, it's got to be that scene of Jennifer Garner. That's where he does the little switcheroo with the traveler's checks or whatever. <laughs> he ends up getting paid 400 bucks to have sex with Jennifer Garner. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And I, I don't want to jump the gun here and Rick, you can stop me right away if I'm, if I'm stepping all over your feet, but I feel like she was not the worst part of the movie, in my opinion, but I feel like any actress could have pulled that role off. I don't know why they paid her that money to do that. Jennifer Garner, what? It just didn't make sense. She to me. was just, she, I mean, I say just, and I feel like I sound like I'm dismissing her, but like she was the woman of the moment at that time. Mm-hmm. Like she was going to be at that point, a giant movie star. And it didn't, right. she had a great career, but it didn't work out quite like they thought. Right, right. You know, that, like she was, I think Alias is was just coming to an end. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think she was in Daredevil right she around here. Daredevil with Ben Affleck, yeah. Yeah, like they were, the, the Hollywood machine was trying to make her the, the it girl. I get confused. Back in the day, I got confused between her, Jessica Biel, and Je- Jessica Alba. The three of them I got confused with. Now I know them apart, but like back in the day, I was like, who are all these Jennifer and Jessicas that are coming out? <laughs> <laughs> Like but. a grandma at a wedding. Oh, I can't tell my Jennifer from my Jessica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Derek, what's your, uh, what is your number one scene? So I think my number one is just the end sequence. Um, I really love when movies go here, like the, 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 the antagonist, or, you know, obviously Ab- Abagnale is not the antagonist, but the guy who did something wrong has to like make up for it and now just work a, a boring life, a boring job. And, and I had forgotten when I saw it the first time, I didn't know whether he comes back or not because because uh you know and ratty f- catches him at the airport and he's like you'll be back you'll be back you want to know why because nobody's chasing you and i was like oh is i turned to gia and i was like is that it is that the point like it's the rush of, of of escaping people or is it living the high life or a mix of both but i feel like a, a lot of it uh was because abigail liked to like, like to you know 
get away and, and, and be chased maybe, but he returns, he returns. And it's like, it's a kind of a feel good moment for me where I'm like, you know what? That's kind of cool that he did come back. He's a kid. He's still a kid, you know? And uh, I think the whole ending sequence is, is pretty interesting. I don't know. Well, well, I got we'll talk about it later, but I don't know how good the scene works where, or how it all works where like they let him off prison and he's just under uh Hanratty's thumb. I don't know if that works for me, but the scene is really, really cool. The whole end sequence. So I think that aspect of it works because so much of the characters in this, so much of, of Frank's journey in this movie is like the push and pull where it's, and this is a ton, like there's so much father stuff in Spielberg movies. So much of it is like his actual father is such a terrible influence on him. And Hanratty's kind of like an act, like a, a real father to him. Like the father without his children has like the son now and he's like teaching him. It's like, listen, like you do what you want, but you have responsibilities now. And right, he's like, right. oh, okay. Like this is like, this is what a father figure should be. Yeah. Cause his, his real father in the movie is um, he's just so forgiving and light and fluffy, you know, around him. Yeah. He's just, everything is like, my boy can't do any wrong. Even when he pretends to be a, a teacher. You know, he's like, yeah. he laughs at, you know, it's, it's so, I think, uh, I think you're right about that. I think Hanratty yeah. is like the kind of stern father figure that he kind of really needed maybe. And you know, what kills me a little moment that it, it didn't quite make it, but it's right around the scene you're talking about is when he goes to, when he goes to take him out of jail and he's offered a job at the FBI, he's, um, Abby Nelson's like, I already have a job. I deliver the mail, which is what his father did when his father died. Mm, gotcha. I didn't, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Like his father became a mailman and now he's delivering the mail in jail. So he's just like slowly, just like, it's going to kill me eventually. Right. But, right. I was really, I didn't pick up on that the last time I watched it. It's really subtle. But, mm. Yeah. But Hey, Spielberg, he knows what he's doing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my number one scene is the scene where Frank is finally caught in France and he's, you know, Hanratty just knows him. He knows that he's going to be in his mother's hometown of all places. And I love the scene where they they finally have their tête-à-tête, and and Carl is the only one who's been honest with with Frank this whole time. Everyone else has been bullshitting him one way or another. Yep. And he can't, I guess, with you know, with the exception of Amy Adams, but Frank can't imagine that someone isn't fucking with him. And he's like, he's just going back and forth. He's like, no, no, no. There's nobody out there. Like, I think you're shrewd with me. And Carl's just like, no this is what's happening. And he's just totally straight with him. Right. And it finally, he convinces him because again, like Carl is at this point taking over as the father figure for him. Yeah. And, and that was something that I was sitting here at the edge of my seat going, wait, did he lie to him? Is he, did he not lie to him? He goes outside. There's nobody there. Abignale smiles, kind of smirks at him like you motherfucker. And then people Got do me. show yeah. up and they do show up. So it's like, no, he didn't lie. You know, so yeah. it's 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 a, it's kind of a mind game, but I love movies that do that to you. Even yeah. you know, it's just like you don't know what's going to happen next. That that's that's good. That's good directing and it's good filmmaking. And yeah. that's Spielberg. And I love I love Hanks like banging on the window, being like, "We're going to be extradited. Don't worry, don't worry, Frank. Like we're going to get you. We're going to get you back home." And it was yeah. So I don't know which one it is, but I remember reading in the trivia that like the 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 main French cop who like puts him in the car. I think puts him in the car. That's like the real Frank Abagnale. Um, oh, yeah. th- that's, I read that in the trivia, but I wasn't sure if it was that specific scene or not. I'm not sure. So let's. So that's what we liked about the movie. But let's talk about 
what maybe didn't work for us so much. Jack, you have the least favorite part of this movie. Um, I don't know if it's the least favorite part or just a kind of overarching theme, but you touched on it earlier on, Rick. Just parts of it that it, it almost, the, the ending almost seems too good and too perfect. In like, you know, he's, he's not really had, a, he does his time, but he doesn't really have to face up to the consequences too much. And then yeah. it ends up with this sweet kind of buddy moment with um, Hanratty where they become pals. And I get that it was a big blockbuster movie and it had to be, it had to have an ending like that because it was a main, it was a Spielberg film, it was a mainstream blockbuster. But I don't know, I feel like it could have gone. But then I suppose the whole, whole, over, whole kind of theme is very playful and going back to that breezy yeah. <laughs> word. So All I right. don't know, it'd be, it would be nice to maybe just, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's me just being... that kind of... Well, we'll talk about my least favorite part in a minute. But Derek, do you have, do you have one? Yeah, it's sort of what what kind of basically what Jack was saying, and and I, I I'm sort of in the the middle here because yeah, I think it's like I like the scene, I like the whole sequence of it. I like I like the way it was filmed. I like not knowing if he was going to come back, all these things. But yeah, my my question really is is how did the like judicial system really work in the early '60s? Because he stole a lot of money and he bamboozled a lot of people and did a lot of things. So I'm like, what really is this yeah. crime? He got sent to prison, but then he's like, you know what? It's changed. You're so smart in this area of like, of checks that we're going to pull you out and have you do this job. So it's like, I, you know, I could see that happening in real life. If it wasn't like, he didn't kill nobody, you know, things well, like that. Here's, this kind of, this kind of feeds into mine as well. Like I understand it's a different world today than it was in 2002, which is a different world than it was in the sixties. Right. But if I lie about my identity and my profession, everything about me, and that leads me, those lies directly lead me to sleeping with a woman. I don't know if I'd quite call it rape, but it's not okay. Like, yeah, that's a, yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's not rape. I feel like if she, if she says no, it's straight up rape, but like, you're right though. If she, if she had been like, Oh, I didn't know it was you weren't that person. I wouldn't have said yes. Yeah. Type thing, but like I see what you're saying. But yeah, like, yeah. Like, and, and that just goes to the larger point. It's like Frank does not pay for his crimes. No, at he all. doesn't like, at all. Yeah, he doesn't ever pay for his crimes. That's but that's he, what annoys me. Yeah, I think but I, I think I think um I forget, I think maybe it was Jack who said it. I forget, I forget who said it, but I think it, it it's kind of okay in a lot of ways because the way the movie works is that at the end, Frank sort of finds his home. He may he may have to grow to like it, but he he has somebody who's looking out for him, like really looking out for him, and that is um, Hanratty. So it kind of has a good ending where you know it, you because Frank's a lovable character. He's goofy. He's like he has a lot of flaws, but he's just bamboozling everybody because he's a smart guy. But then at the end, I feel like he really like finds his niche. He finds his home, and that's under Hanratty. And I like that because it could have went a different direction. It could have ended ended on a depressing note, but it doesn't. It kind of ends in a happy note and. I'm fine with that. Not every movie you know, has to be depressing. It's super similar in this way and this way only, uh, other than like the same actor to Wolf of Wall Street. I like, thought that as well. Yeah, it's like and if it's it's Leo, so like it makes me think of it. But like Jordan Belfort doesn't yeah. really pay for his crimes at all, and he no, like he, revels in it. He's like a public speaker now. Yeah, uh, another movie I was thinking about is American Gangster. 
where I, I, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember yeah. like Russell Crowe's character, like, or no, Denzel Washington's character is like, a, he's a pretty bad criminal. And at the end, they're like working together and they're buddies and stuff. I don't remember how much he pays for his crimes, but it kind of reminded me of that. We're like, oh, it's a happy ending. They're buddies and they're helping each other. It's like, oh, so. Yeah, that's uh, we like it in like a movie. Let's talk about the people who were responsible in some way for our enjoyment of this with medals. So, Jack, who is your bronze medal winner? Hmm. I think it's got to, I mean, the director's normally the the main guy, the head honcho, but I think I'm going to, I'll maybe save him for a second. I think Christopher Walken comes in bronze. Yeah. Because he, he, it's a bit of a, like we talked about it when we were warming up earlier on, it's a big departure from Walken. He, play, he plays like a, a concerned, well, obviously we, you said he's not the best father figure, but he, you see him being empathetic and you see him being concerned. Yeah. And he's having, not cruel. Having heart. He's not cruel. He's just not a good father. Like he no, loves yeah, his he's son. Got, yeah. He loves his son, but he's not he's not what his son needs. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. And you see him kind of he's kind of at the he's like he's bowing down to um Frank and all the stuff he does. He's like, Oh, my son does this, my son does that. So he's kind of playing a character who's not in control, whereas normally Walken is kind of the Uber villain who's always one kind step a, ahead. You know? He's kind of a wackadoo in most things. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's just a wackadoo, as you say, yeah. Yeah. All right, Derek, who's your bronze? So my bronze is actually Steven Spielberg. Um, I, you know, I think he's just, you could, you can tell by his work, even if you didn't know it was Spielberg, I think you'd assume like, okay, this, this, there's a master here making this movie. Um, the way the camera shots are, the way the dialogue is, the way it's all put together, it, Spielberg always seems to put together a masterful film. There's a couple of them that I've seen that I'm like, oh, you know, not, not bad, but for the most part, he doesn't really miss. And, uh, and in this specific movie, he doesn't miss at all. And he, he keeps it intense for you, but he also keeps it funny. And he, he mixes drama and comedy very well together and storytelling and the chase. Um, he doesn't really have flaws in his scripts and, and, and the way he, he directs and stuff. Everything is precise. And like you, and we, and Jack and I even missed that moment where, you know, he, the, it's a callback to what his dad did. He, he's now delivering mail. There are little things in there that he throws in that kind of like make it even better. And he's just a masterful actor. There's nothing more I can really say about it, but he's my bronze. Yeah. Spielberg uh, for me as well. Director. I'm sorry. I think it's yeah, an actor. <laughs> yeah. We, we know what you meant, but yeah, Spielberg's my bronze as well. This is sort of in a, a the early 2000s are kind of weird for him. You know, it's a very interesting portion of his career because this is post Saving Private Ryan mm-hmm. and pre, I would say Munich is his next like great movie. Like if you, if you look at the movies surrounding this, it's Saving Private Ryan 98, AI 2001, Minority Report 2002, okay. The Terminal after this 2004, not my favorite. War of the World. I, I like the Terminal. I like that one. Not my favorite movie. And then it's like, <laughs> then then he has Munich, which I think is, a, is an absolute classic. I haven't seen Munich. I have, actually, it's funny. I haven't heard. I haven't heard enough of it to make it. I mean, I didn't realize it was so big. Doesn't it? Didn't it? Never really caught me. Like it wasn't that. huge. It was not a giant hit. It was. It was definitely a drama. But I think it's a great movie. Listen, Munich's probably not better than Temple of Doom. So let's just stop there. <laughs> well. <laughs> Rick biting his tongue there. We 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 have already done we've gonna, already done we've, we've 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 done two Indiana Jones movies and gonna, I, I'm a big advocate for Temple of Doom as a, as a film. So listen, two weeks from now in our 50 movie countdown episode, we are going to revisit 
oh, all of the movies. I feel like I'm going to be angry during this countdown episode. I'm going to be very angry with you, um, but that's okay. I think. Listen, we're going to be we're going to be drinking. We're going to be having a good time uh, <laughs> <laughs> in that one. Get ready for that. Okay. But yeah, it's it's at a point in his career where he is the biggest living filmmaker. And this is kind of a small movie. Like it's a small. Is he though? Is he? You think he's the number one? The number one living filmmaker? Who would be? You think he's over? You think he's over Martin Scorsese? Oh yeah. I mean, I I don't think so at all. Scorsese's a great director. You think Spielberg's better than Scorsese? Spielberg invented the blockbuster. Yeah, that's true. But Scorsese, you could also say that Jurassic Park, let alone as a producer, Back to the Future. uh, Like, yeah, he's. Spielberg is Scorsese, great director, one of my favorites. But Spielberg, I take Spielberg. I, I know what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying. He's 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 uh, he, he's what what is he? He's the uh, he's a hit maker. I mean, he just makes hits. But okay, maybe personal preference. I feel like I prefer Scorsese and Tarantino. But Spielberg can't do no wrong. Usually, yeah, you know he he's in he's in the top three for me. Just just at this moment. Here's here's the thing. Go to any layperson someone who's not a movie fan and just say name a director who are they gonna say sofia coppola absolutely sofia coppola <laughs> the world's <laughs> biggest director uh yeah you, you're probably right i think i think i mean when you think of when you th- okay so when you think of music you think of people people who don't know anything about music the people names will come up like madonna michael jackson those are like the, the names people know so, you know uh you know uh, sports people, Michael Jordan, uh, Wayne Gretzky, Babe Ruth. When you think of directors, you think the first name people say is Spielberg? I think so. Uh, yeah. so I, I think, I I think you guys are right about that. Yeah, now that I'm be, thinking about it. You yeah. might get, I mean, with older people, you may have somebody say like Alfred Hitchcock. You know, I'm, I'm not saying he's the biggest director of all time, although he's up there. Right. But like, I mean, Steven Spielberg just, he owned the 80s. He owned the 90s. Like 2000s, he has some big hits. 2010s, he has some big hits. We're talking like, and, and then of course, Jaws as well in the 70s. So we're like four decades of Spielberg, you know, or the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. I mean, when his next one comes out, we're talking his fifth decade of like big yeah. hits. I mean, I'm sure West Side Story is going to, I mean, hopefully it's good. I mean, he, he, I love the original, but I'm sure Spielberg did it justice. So we have another, we may have another hit right there. Future guest of the show, Steven Spielberg, by the way. Spielberg, Steven, if you're not, Steven, please come on our show. Mr. Please. Spielberg. Please <laughs> come on. The we'll, we'll talk about anything. I'll talk about Legos with you. I don't care. You name it. We'll I'm do like, it. I'm, I'm, like Mrs. Spiel- I'm like Mrs. Spielberg. I love your movies. He's like, shut up, Derek. <laughs> I want to talk about Legos right now. I'm like, no problem, sir. I have the Star Wars set. My friend George uh, <laughs> created this. I don't know if you knew that. I'm like, I'm like, now you shut up. I don't want to hear about George. Let me get into that whole thing. <laughs> And then Lucas comes in with a lightsaber and murders you. Oh, wow. Oh, Star Wars. If Star Wars didn't have lightsabers, would it be as popular? That's the <laughs> dumbest take. That's that, the is not, dumbest that is not take. the dumbest take. It's the worst it's thing you've said the, the, the lightsabers. Including all the stuff I've had. The lightsabers are the thing that put Star Wars over. The storytelling isn't phenomenal. It's kind of basic. This is the worst take. The characters, uh, the characters are okay. It's okay. Han it's Solo super- is fine. Darth Han Vader so- is okay. Listen, listen. Han- Darth Vader's Darth Vader's an okay villain. There's not a lot of dimensions. Yoda is fucking fine. Yoda's a fucking water. puppet, man. He's a puppet. Doesn't matter. He's a character. Han Solo's great. No, no doubt about it. Chewbacca Anyways, sucks. 
Chewbacca has a <laughs> okay. Yeah, Chewbacca is better than Michael Corleone. I'll tell you that. Did I say and he's it, better than Michael Corleone? Okay, but you know what I'm saying. Say that? You know what I'm talking that? about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I feel than, like I'm out to out to dinner with Luca Brasi. He okay. If you say Chewbacca is better than Luca Brasi, we have an issue. <laughs> oh, I, I, do you know what, Derek? I know I've known you longer, and I've just met Rick today, but Chew. Chewbacca is way more three-dimensional than Luca Brasi. Luca Brasi Brasi's own. In the book, Luca Brasi puts babies oh. in the oven. Oh, to I'm shut sorry. Them up. Are, we, are we talking about the book? Or are we talking about the movie? Chewbacca doesn't have any lines, man. Yes, he does. You just don't fucking. He understand doesn't need him. to. <laughs> you're like, you're like Derek. Hey, Derek, you just don't listen. Yeah. You just don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> Pay closer attention. I should. I apologize. <laughs> you know what? I'd like to see those two fight. Luca Brasi in his prime <laughs> versus Chewbacca the Wookiee. <laughs> Really Chewbacca versus Luca Brasi. <laughs> oh, I hurt. I hurt. I hurt. <laughs> I mean, we know Chewbacca's winning that match. I mean, he's probably a lot stronger. Fucking hey, Chewbacca crossbow. sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> if, if Don Corleone had his choice, I'm sure Chewbacca would be his 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 muscle. <laughs> you know, this problem with Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> So anyways, yeah, Spielberg's a great director. <laughs> Luca. <laughs> All right. So where, where are we? Uh, so yeah, Spielberg's my bronze as well. Uh, Jack, what's your, who's your silver? Well, I was going to give Spielberg my silver just because like, um, I think he'd really, he, and it's funny you mentioned that film, The Terminal, which, yeah, it's, it's not amazing. It's not definitely not one of his best, but it, in a weird way, it's quite similar to this because he just strikes a really, kind of unique and very distinct tone. It's kind of play, or maybe they're similar because they have a kind of, <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, with, I was, I'm just looking at the soundtrack now because I was answering your question before, Derek. And yeah, it's got these like 1930s swing songs and it's just, and there's a whole pilot airline theme. It's just kind of like, he strikes a very specific tone with it. And it's quite, I can't quite put it into words, but I think that's something only a really good director could do. I think like, it's very playful. Well, it's almost like a kind of, I think like the the planes and the kind of a pilot outfits. It's almost like kind of like a toyland, like playful, childlike thing. And obviously, he is a kid, Frank. So I think, and what uh, about like the way like Spielberg, like not, not that Spielberg even does this, but because I think it's real anyway. But I mean, he just makes it seem like the pilot is like you're a pilot. You're just basically God. To I children, miscellaneous. No one ever in this history of this world has asked a pilot for his autograph his autograph and only that but like even like the stewardesses like it looks so glamorous oh you're a stewardess well you're the most beautiful woman on the planet (laughs) you know what i mean uh yeah it's it's funny how he does that uh i I mean i guess it's a it was a big deal a bigger deal in the 60s um can you imagine like 15 20 years later you know this kid is like getting ready to move out of his house (laughs) and he's like Who is this autograph? And his mother's like, it was a pilot. Who's Bill Ingram's? <laughs> Some random guy's name in a napkin. It's the it's the 80s, right? At this point, like it's the early 80s. You know, they're they're going to the theater, they're watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, and they're looking like for some spare change for a ticket. And it's like, oh, what is this? It's the autograph of a Pan Am pilot. But wait a minute. Wasn't this, wasn't this the pilot who killed like 40 people? <laughs> Shit, I shouldn't have got his autograph. He died in a crash in the Atlantic. Could be oh, worth like, something. Yep. All right. So, Derek, who's your uh, who's your silver? My silver's Tom Hanks. 
there's something about Tom. When I was younger, I used to think he was kind of a bland actor. And it was because I was looking for performances by Pacino and De Niro and Brando and Daniel Day-Lewis. I wanted to see these very outlandish and outrageous performances. And the more I watched Tom Hanks as I got older, I realized that like there's something about him that is just it feels like home. It's it's almost like a Robin Williams thing. It's like it just feels yeah. like I'm home. Tom Hanks, he's he's a master actor. He he just controls scenes. Um, even if he's not the main point or the main part of a scene, he just he grabs you in a certain way where uh, you want to see more of him. Um, usually, if I hear about a movie, oh Tom Hanks in, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm gonna enjoy it because he just brings a warmth to to his performances. So um, he's excellent in this, and he's great opposite of DiCaprio. So he gets my silver. So I'm uh, pulling a Derek here. My silver's tie. It is, but it's a theme tie. It's the two fathers. It's Tom Hanks and it's Christopher Walken. Walken, super fun performance, gets an Oscar nomination out of this movie. And Tom Hanks, we've, we've done this before, but I just want to go through his run of movies, which I would say this is the last great one in the streak but i just want to go through his list of movies from 1992 to 2002 ready that he was in starting with a league of their own sleepless in seattle philadelphia forrest gump apollo 13 toy story that thing you do saving private ryan you've got mail toy story 2 the green mile Castaway, road to perdition catch me if you can Holy shit. Oh my God. That is one streak. There's not one movie in there that I was like, meh, none of them. Some I like better than others, but every one of them was either excellent or a giant hit. Yeah. He must be rocking up some serious Oscar space on his mantelpiece. Yeah. And he also fucking directed and wrote that thing you do. Like, yeah, I was I was going to mention that movie because it's probably one of the movies people are like, what is that? But yeah. he basically plays Brian Epstein in that movie. Yeah. Um, and he's phenomenal. Wow. He's so good at it. You know, he he, he I mean, he based his character off of Brian Epstein for sure. Um, but he's so good. And yeah, he wrote it, directed it. Lo- love it. He's so good. He really is. Yeah. My so, favorite um, Hank's like, there's that streak you just listed off, which is like world beating phenomenal. But the two or three he's done in the last like five years, like Captain Phillips, and the yeah. one where is it Scully where he's that was Sully, like a yeah. kind of golden age of Tom Hanks as well. Tom Hanks. Like yeah. he re- he play he plays the ordinary guy, like the everyman really. He's well, a he's a great old man, he's a great everyman. It's tough to recast him, which we'll, well get that, to in a few th- minutes. That's why I think mm. I like the other um the terminal so much. And I think it's because of, of Tom Hanks. That's why I like it so much. Because I'm used to seeing Hanks as kind of plays Tom Hanks in movies. And that's fine. I don't mind that. But when I see him play like, oh, yeah, don't speak English, I was caught off guard and I was like, This is so cool. He took this role. I think I think it's why the movie was better for me. But yeah, he's he's great. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I think we all agree with that. All right. So let's get to gold. <laughs> Uh, are, are we? I mean, are we unanimous? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I'd Jack, be very surprised if we were. Yeah, yeah. Jack, who do you yeah, have? Amy, Amy Adams, gold. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I was just saying, oh, Martin Sheen, Martin Sheen, my gold. <laughs> or Jennifer Garnett. No, um, yeah, yeah. It's got to be Leo. I mean, we could talk about him till the cows come home, but he just and there's a million and one things you could say about his performance. But he, he, uh, you can see there's something in his eyes where he's still a kid, and that comes across. He's like. 
he's like, yeah, I'm getting away with this. This is sick. But there's also that bewilderment and that, like, he's still a boy, you know what I mean? And he, to uh, just those little facial expressions, this kind of that wide-eyed expression he has, that's such subtle acting. And I don't know how he does is, it, but yeah. Is he the last movie star? Like, when I say that, I mean, like, is he the last guy or girl where you go, it's the new Leo movie? Like, who's been established since him? Right. Because it's very much like a, it, it's now like a franchise and like genre driven business as opposed to like a movie star driven business. Yeah. Because yes. Leo certainly came a little bit after Johnny Depp and Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um, but I always kind of clump them together, even though Leo's a little bit younger. But yeah, I think you're right about that. There really hasn't been an actor since Leo that's been like, wow, he's the one or she's the one even. There's, there's actors here and there that I can be like, well, they're great. But yeah, I don't think so. I, I yeah. think may, maybe since Titanic, I think uh, there hasn't been anybody to to command, you know, that level of stardom. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. So I'm I'm guessing gold all around for Leo. I mean, this is like a capital M capital S movie star performance. Like he's he's a star in this. Yeah, and and I'm so glad that he is who he is because I, I remember you know you said like back in Titanic, like all us boys were like, well, is, this is so dumb. He's Leo DiCaprio seriously, and then you see the work he's done, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Like he's he's serious, and that's one thing you can say about Leo is every movie I've seen him in, I believe every ounce of his acting. I mean, except for maybe uh, Blood Diamond, his accent's a little miscued there, but other than that, his performances are just they're mind blowing. Even in this movie, like when he's playing the kid, when he's going up to the the airport, the airport, and talking, he's like, I'm, "I'm a student, and I'm I'm trying to get information for." He's so good at doing that, like he's just. He's so believable. I mean, we could talk about his performance in Gilbert Grape back then. I was about to back up Gilbert Grape. Back then, it was like, holy moly. Like, that is just, wow. So, I mean, I mean, there's been so many. I, I, I mean, then you think of him in, like, Django Unchained. Like, how much he's come. As an, it's just, it's, it's beyond belief. There, there's no reason why he, he's not gold in this. Uh, he is the movie, you know? So, let's get to it. Recasting. So, this, I only did two. I only did I um four. I was going to do four. I know which four you're going to do. I was going to do them, but then I just, I, I really just stuck with two. So I did, I did Frank Jr. And I did Carl Hanratty. Okay. So I have Frank, I have Carl, I have Frank Sr. And I have Brenda. Okay. Jack, do you have any, uh, any recasting? Um, poss- I don't know. It's hard. because Just chime in. If anyone comes to mind while we're going through it. All right. You guys do yours. I mean, if I think of any. So let's start. I'll do the two I didn't do and we'll, we'll sort of join together. So. Okay. Brenda, I was thinking somebody who, because Brenda is just the purest thing in the world. Yeah. She's got a, character's got to read young, and, but she's, I mean, she's got to stand up to, you know, the 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 great acting of the, the main character here, and you got to kind of fall in love with her. So I went with Elle Fanning. Yeah, you know, that's funny you say that Gia kept saying her name to me last night, and I said, leave, leave me alone, I'll think about it myself. Yeah. She's like, I'm telling you, I'm fanning, so yeah. it sounds like you guys are on the same path. So, Frank Sr., I wanted somebody who is as, uh, I mean, you can't get as unique as Chris Walken, but you got to have a guy who can do it all, a guy who can be sleazy but charming as well. So I went Sasha Baron Cohen. Ooh, that That is an interesting role for him, because, uh, yeah, that's just, that's very interesting. All right, so let's go. Let's I don't go know how I feel about it quite yet. Right. <laughs> well, you know what? It's extra credit for me because you didn't even do it. That's true. Yeah, you get extra uh, credit. <laughs> all right, who's your uh, who's your Carl? 
So Mike Harl is actually somebody who we, we, we actually brought this movie up a few times. He's in this movie. Uh, and that's the terminal. And I thought uh, Stanley Tucci would play a really good Carl Henratty. I'm a big fan of Stanley Tucci. I think he has a, a really nice warmth about him, um, except for, you know, <laughs> some of the characters he plays aren't warm specifically. But well, I, I, I the one. Um, well, uh, the, the, the Lovely the, Bones is yeah. one of them for sure. That but, is, that's exactly what I meant. Yeah, we don't warm to that guy. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he can play brutal. He can play kind of strange. He can play all kinds of things. But I just um, I wanted an actor who had warmth. And when I see Stanley Tucci on screen, I feel like, oh, I like this actor a lot. And I could picture him making all the facial expressions like as soon as uh, my, you know, as soon as my Frank Abigail, who I casted, as soon as he leaves the room, he escapes. I could picture Stanley Tucci being like, you've got to be kidding me. He has that face a lot where he's like, I can't believe I just did that. Yeah. Yeah, So I think he's good at that. So he's he's kind of my uh, he's my Carl. So I went the guy with for Carl who. Believe it or not, is the same age as Tom Hanks was in this movie today, or right around there, within a year or two. And it's a guy who I think can pretty much do it all. And uh, I wanted to go with kind of a bigger star because it, I think you need kind of a big name if you're gonna if you haven't stepped in. I mean, Hanks is a pretty big name, so you're fine. Hanks is a big Hanks <laughs> is, a, is a big big name. I'm with Ewan McGregor as Carl. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, Ewan McGregor is uh, he's he. I think he's one of those actors that people kind of forget about how versatile he is. Yeah, um, yeah, I like it. All right, he's got go. that warmth that you were on about Derek as well. Ewan McGregor, like when he's Obi Wan, you know, he's got that father presence. Yep, that's yeah, what, even, that's just thinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was actually, if it's funny, the movie I thought of immediately was um, uh, Rick. I mentioned it a couple episodes ago. Was that one about the storm? Him and Naomi Watts. Yeah, and the, um, I forget what it's called, but he is incredible in that. Um, He's a good oh, actor and everything I've seen. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, very good. Um, but yeah, great choice. All right. Let's get to uh, the big role. Frank Jr. Who do you got? All right. I had two that I was juggling. Okay. Uh, I think, I think the first thing you need to think about is number one, you got to kind of find an actor who's good looking because if you don't, it's not believable yeah. because a guy like Frank Abagnale Jr. is like, he's a good looking guy. He's getting all these things done. I feel like if he was kind of like not handsome, he wouldn't get away with a lot of stuff for some yeah. reason. Um, but I'm with an actor who's kind of up and coming. He's in a very popular show that um, I, I like, but I don't like that much. And that's Stranger Things. And I went with Joe Carey. Yeah, definitely. I could see that. Yeah, I think he's got a nice, young, handsome face. He's, he's growing up in, in Hollywood. I think he'd do a really good job. And I was trying to think uh, of him and Stanley Tucci in scenes together, and I kind of liked the dynamic, so they, they kind of worked for me. Derek, you know who I picked. <laughs> Please tell me you didn't pick uh, Chalamet. Timothy fucking Chalamet. Oh, my God. He can't do everything. Oh, no. <laughs> but I can, I can see it, though. I can see it. No, the reason, the reason why we say it is because Rick uses him really often. Really often. Does that make really, sense? Really often? Good, yeah. yeah. He's a good actor. I, I've only seen him in one thing, and that was the Call Me By Your Name. Yep, he's he's excellent in that. He's he's great in Little Women. He's he's going to be tremendous in Dune. Uh, I haven't seen one movie he's been in. There's only one movie I'm looking forward to, and that's he's going to be playing Bob Dylan. Oh, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, but I have I have high hopes. He is so. He's got the young face, but he can pass for like an older guy. Uh, you know, guy in his twenties. He's charming as all hell. He's a great actor. Certainly a Rick guy. He's a Rick's guy. <laughs> he is a Rick's goddamn guy. So speaking right. of recasting, um, uh, a lot of this movie in real life was actually recast, like because they swapped directors a bunch. And yeah, Hanratty was meant to be played by James Gandolfini. 
I remember reading that. I would be, I'd, in, I'd be interested to see that movie. I'm not saying I'd replace Hanks with James Gandolfini. However, I, I would be intrigued to watch it with James Gandolfini. It's, it's funny. Uh, There's a lot of people out there that think Gandolfini is like one of the all-time greats, even even though he passed when he did. Um, I, I think obviously Sopranos has a lot to do with it, how amazing he was in that show. Um, but in general, there's a lot of movies, a lot of actors. I've, I've heard an interview saying that Gandolfini was like their favorite actor to work with. He's so professional and so good. But it, I think he would have done a great job. We've not really seen him in that many, or maybe he's done a lot, but I've just not seen. But he's definitely yeah, he's, under- he's in a lot of like independent movies and things that like kind of went under the radar. People are like, oh, have you seen this? He's amazing in that. So it's one of those things. And I think that if he had survived the last eight years, he would have done a lot of big things. I love him in a true romance where he has that crazy fight scene of yeah like yeah that. That, yep yep <laughs> yep all right so uh miscellaneous I, i've got one that we haven't talked about is this the last great christopher walken performance is this does he have another i gotta look it up now he's, he's definitely done a lot of stinkers after this i would have to say or done films where like kind of comedies where he's almost playing an exaggerated version of the Walken. Yeah, like, and I mean, he has like the, in wedding, wedding crashes, stuff like that. Yeah, like he's 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 in comedies, like you said, he's in the, he's does a voice in the Jungle Book movie. I feel like he was in something recently that I really really enjoyed, and I was like, I can't believe he's in this. Let me. I see Christopher. Go over. So catch me if you can. After this, what do you think is the first Christopher that comes up on IMDb? Nolan. You're right. Yep. Oh, he's in there. He's good in the rundown, but again, that's just kind of a comedy performance. This is after that wedding crashers comedy joe dirt 2 <laughs> there's one that's probably going to come up called balls of fury which i think yep. he runs an underground ping pong like. yeah i that oh, just that's came right. across that he's in uh, that's right he's in jersey boys i forgot he was in that yep. seven psychopaths i haven't St- seen you guys I... you guys seen stand-up guys with him and pacino no and alan arkin yeah. they're like that's a pretty good one it's like a heist kind of movie it's funny kill the irishman heard good things about that one Long, is the, this is the, this long. is like the last canonically great walk-in performance. I yeah, he's like. in Click, and he's not he's enjoyable, but because he's because he's just at, after this, he's just playing walking. Yeah, he, he might he, as well be the more cowbell guy and everything. Right, right. Mm. I mean, I did love that Jungle Book one that we talked, but that's kind of as you said, Rick. It's a reference to himself almost. Yeah, yeah. He was in Geely, which we all know was phenomenal. Yes, classic movie. <laughs> So any, did, was there anything that we've we've missed for this movie that we want to touch on? I think everything's been, at least on my end, I think everything's been said. Yeah. Okay. I can definitely, I know you mentioned it in passing, but I can definitely see that when he was casting Wolf of Wall Street, this came to mind first. Yeah. Even though they're very different and the characters are somewhat similar, but also different. It's, there's a very strong link. Kind of, they kind of mirror each other, I think, those two films. Yeah, it's definitely that, and also the fact that Scorsese can't literally even move an inch without casting DiCaprio in anything he's doing now. <laughs> DiCaprio yeah, is hey, his Leo. new. Yeah, Leo, I, got, I got a thing. Yeah, DiCaprio is his uh, his, <laughs> new, his his new De Niro. Okay. Leo, I got a thing. You in? Great. Send the paperwork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it? Uh, just say yes. Yeah, just, just show up. Just show up. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised yeah, DiCaprio the whole time. It's great. Yeah, I was surprised DiCaprio wasn't in The Irishman. I was like, wow, okay, this is the only actor who uses who a lot have of that. You would have played what, like the Jesse Plemons role, like uh, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, maybe no role was really big enough for him. Yeah, yeah, he's too young, right? It's like the opposite of like what he tells women is like, Leo, yeah, it really is a movie thing. about old guys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is. I really, I wasn't a big fan of The Irishman personally. 
the first time I saw it, I was a little let down. Second time I watched it, I loved it. Um, mainly yeah. because I knew what I was getting into um, because I was really expecting the new Goodfellas and I didn't get that. And so when I went to go rewatch it, I sat down and I go, I've already seen it. I know what kind of movie it is. And then I, and I sat there and I watched the performances and I was a little bit more blown away this time, knowing what I was getting into. So I think that was important. I think a lot of people were expecting like, this is going to be the new Goodfellas and it really wasn't the type of movie. So try it again a second time. I think you might like it a little bit better. Right. Yeah. It's, I've only watched it but once. So yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, a movie, long movie. So it's a movie. I wish I would have seen on the big screen as opposed to on Netflix. Yeah, there's, I, that's that's my main problem with it. I yeah. feel like it was a, a, it had all these great stars attached to it, but it was a product of the Netflix generation. Yeah. I got if for, we, yeah. I got for Christmas year th- this year the Blu-ray, which is just looks so beautiful that it's like right. it, the the picture is just so crisp and and, and incredible. Yeah, I, I, it's a it's a, a I give another shot. Making De Niro young right. is the only problem I have with it. It just didn't look right. The CGI didn't look right to me. Yeah. And, uh, the, the technology is like 98% there. For me specifically, <laughs> right. besides Pacino, Joe Pesci, one of the most, the finest performances I've ever seen. Cause he, he really encapsulates what like a mob boss really acts like. Um, and then when Joe, as Pesci's, you know, from your experience, you know, well, I, I've watched, yeah. I've, I've watched a lot of, you know, documentaries and stuff and a lot of mob bosses. They're not like the ones we see on screen, but Joe Pesci's was. And then when he's an old man at the very end, he's so good at that. Um, and he's just, he's a special actor, yeah. but yeah. Well, anyway, one thing I did like about it and I will give it a second go, but like Stephen Graham, who's a British actor who plays yep. um, he, cause he's another one of those kind of like Gandolfini. When you look at, you don't, it doesn't come to mind straight away, but when you look at his CV, he's, like starred with some heavyweights and there's that scene where he's like toe-to-toe with Pacino doing the Italian great gangster. scene yep and he's like a British guy doing that and I think yeah oh, he did well I guess it, so Stephen Graham played um Al Capone in um the Boardwalk Empire yes and I did hear that I've not also seen me, me and Rick did Goodfellas a while back on the show and we had to do our recast and I actually picked Stephen Graham to, to fill in for Joe Pesci I can, yeah. Good it, was, it, it, it was Early tough. Shout. It was tough, but I thought he would do a phenomenal job based on performances like this. So. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to the Oscars. So this is a, a year that we did cover before it's the year of the two towers uh, from that episode. Yep. But this movie has one win and another nomination. It wins for best score. So John Williams, great job as always. Is also nominated uh, Christopher Walken for Best Supporting Actor. So let's talk about the main categories here. So in real life, uh, Chicago won. Uh, But we, in our Two Towers episode, declared Two Towers the winner. Yeah, Uh, I think the Two Towers really deserved it that year. I like Chicago a lot, but, you know, I'm I'm still Two Towers. Okay, well, let's... uh, Talk about the other nominees, Gangs of New York, of course, we've mentioned it, uh, The Hours, and The Pianist. Oh, I wish I got Gangs of New York came out that same year. Yeah. Motherfucker. I uh. would say we, I mean, catch me if you can. Should it be nominated? Yeah, I think it should be nominated, for God's sake. Mm. Okay. That movie, The Hours, like, I remember it coming out, but it's definitely not stood the test of time. Yeah. I hear people talk. The only thing people remember about that is Nicole Kidman's prosthetic nose. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. And it's like, of course you do. Look at this fucking thing. It's, a, it's, it's. I mean, listen, I have a, I have a pretty uh, prominent, uh, prominent schnoz myself, but this is, uh, this is outrageous. It just looked like silly putty. Yeah, 
So I say <laughs> we kick out the hours and we throw in Catch Me If You Can. I agree. For sure. Let's do All it. Right. Best director. It was won by noted piece of human garbage, Roman Polanski, <laughs> uh, for The Pianist. Uh, we actually, though, kicked him out and replaced him with our winner, Peter Jackson. Although, actually, we were we did not decide between Peter Jackson and Martin Scorsese for Gangs of New York. The other nominees were Rob Marshall for Chicago, Stephen Daldry for The Hours, and Pedro uh, Almodovar, I believe it's pronounced, in Talk to Her. So I'm going to say that last time you talked to her, I don't know what it is. I just think that Spielberg should have been nominated for at least at least a nomination um, for this movie. I think I think it's important that we realize the pacing of a movie like this is a very important. It's like it's a chase movie. You make sure it's not boring. He, he nails it. I don't know. I think he should be nominated. I would agree. So we'll we'll knock out Pedro uh, Almodovar, replace him with Steven Spielberg. Do we do we want to make a decision? Scorsese v. Jackson. Ooh. So tough. Gangs of New York is a great film. Is it? It really is. It's 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 up there for me. I mean, I I here's, I'm a I'm a huge Scorsese mark. Here's what I'm gonna I'm gonna say. I think I lean Jackson because I mean he just even Scorsese just couldn't get out of Cameron Diaz. He just he couldn't get yeah, the performance he needed out of Yeah, yeah, I know. She just wasn't. She she was definitely the worst part of that movie. Yeah. And and you know it, the two towers, you know it could have been a weird one because it's the middle, it's the middle Lord of the Rings movie. It could have been kind of strange, and it's it's a lot of people's favorite. It's, it's yeah, well, favorite. It's, the Return of the King, the following year, he wins right? up at the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's so the thing. Maybe... Like, I was th- I was thinking that too, Jack. But I'm like, do, do we do we do we vote? on what else they won or just specifically this. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like if just Return of the King specifically if, this, yeah. if Return of the King never existed and he didn't get all those awards, should he still win for this? I don't know. It's tough. I think Two Towers is objectively more impressive because it's got the Battle of Helm's Deep and stuff. Yeah. Right. And maybe I think if any of his films are gonna win, I think it was the most impressive of the three. So maybe yeah. It's I I would agree with that. I the way I look at this is that I mean we talk about it so many times. And like, how many nominees do we see where it's like, oh, this is like an older actor and they're just getting nominated because of their name. You know, how many of this is like, oh, it's a makeup Oscar for this because this bullshit won, uh, yeah. you know, five years ago or whatever. I, I, you have to, to me for this, you have to look at it as in a vacuum this year. What's the best movie? I see, I'm still caught. I'm still caught. You know, yes, it's funny. I love I Two agree. Towers. I love Return of the King. Fellowship's my favorite by far, but I, oh man, it's tough. I, I You know what? You guys can make the decision and I'll go with whatever you guys go along with because I can't make a decision for myself. I say Jackson. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Rick. All right, Jackson it is. All right. Jackson State, Jackson's the winner that year. Okay. <laughs> so let's tell you say... not happy, Derek. And, 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 and I love how we do, <laughs> this is, we don't do fantasy football here. We do fantasy Oscars here. Fantasy Oscars, yes. Okay, so best actor. So, interesting year. Adrian Brody wins for The Pianist. Nick Cage for Adaptation, which I will not hear your bullshit again, Derek. I haven't seen it, but Nicolas Cage sucks. Move on. Every time we talk about him, it's like, well, have you seen this movie? And like, he named his five best movies. He's like, no, I haven't seen it. It's it's because I don't want to watch him. (laughs) But it's like, here are the things that will make you like him. He's like, no. I'll get Fucking around to it. I, I, pro- I promise I'll get around to it. <laughs> I love Conair personally. I think it's cheesy, wholesome <laughs> I, fun. 
I, yeah, listen, but he's so Nick Cage in that. But Adaptation, <laughs> I think, is a, is a tremendous performance. Um, other nom- So Adrian Brody wins, Nick Cage nominated. Uh, Michael Caine for The Quiet American. We have a lot of problems with Michael Caine in the show. We need, uh, Michael Caine's another one we get to watch some of his, his good movies. Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis for Gangs of New York and Jack Nicholson in About Schmidt. So do we want to squeeze in leo in this movie or do we wait until we do our gangs of new york episode um i don't think leo leo makes it in gangs Dale lewis is too overpowering for dicaprio to get any nomination for that so i think it should be this movie okay so sorry are we uh, with apologies to michael kane we had i'm I'm sorry michael kane but i think i I think you're gone Speaking I, of, yeah, I've not seen about Schmidt, but yeah, Michael Caine. Yeah, for us, for us, so we, we watched a movie recently, uh, The Cider House Rules, on the show, and uh, Michael Caine uh, does like a New England accent, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. He he got nominated for an Oscar for the he role. Won. Me and Rick, are, me and Rick, he won. Were, he won. Me and Rick are baffled by that decision because it was so. Is it awkward. just a terrible accent? It's just not good. You, you can. You want to talk about like you want to talk about like English people doing bad American accents? Oh. Ooh. Uh, I'm gonna go YouTube some clips of it. And, right I, and, I, also, and I like Michael Caine. Like I, I'm, a, I like him. I'm, you know, I like him in things. But that, for some reason, he wins for this movie, and he shouldn't even been nominated. So I think what he was trying to do in that movie was supposed to be a Maine accent. Right, he's supposed to be from Maine. Right. Yeah, but it just it doesn't sound anything like. <laughs> he's it. like, I did my research, and I just can't fucking figure <laughs> it out. Oh wait, I won an Oscar. Good, na- <laughs> <laughs> Good night, you. Kings of New England, you princes of Maine. <laughs> He's, it's seriously, it's it's. If you watch YouTube videos, you'll probably agree. Like, what is? And the thing is, throughout the movie, it's not like it's not like it. it he changes too. Every other scene, it like it just sounds different. <laughs> so but, we get, we I'm really intrigued. get to watch a good Michael Caine movie. Michael Caine was Michael Caine was sucking some. Michael Caine is a young man, like the yeah. ones he did in the sixties. Those yeah, sixties, seventies. Hey, I love him in Gold Member. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> <laughs> so i would say for me this year i think we've decided i think day lewis should have won this year hands down i agree i'd 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 put daniel day lewis the winner and we'll knock out michael kane replacing leo for catch me if you can sorry kane if you want to be on the show come on the show we probably won't we we won't attack you but i don't think there's a best actress in this movie i don't think there's anyone that really qualifies right best supporting actor now Walken was nominated, wasn't it? Walken was nominated. It's won by Chris Cooper in adaptation. Uh, Ed Harris is nominated in The Hours. John C. Riley in Chicago. Uh, and in reality, Paul Newman was nominated. But we kicked out Paul Newman and replaced him with Andy Serkis as Gollum. Oh, Andy Serkis needs to be in there for Gollum. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's funny. I think you guys liked walking in this movie better than me. And I'm not saying I disliked him because I definitely think he was good in it. But for me, it just wasn't even even Hanks, for that matter. They were very good in this movie, but they just they're just not stand out Oscar performances for me. I I tend to agree with that, especially when you look at like in, in real life, all the Fellowship of the Ring, like everyone in, in Two Towers got nothing no acting nominations for that movie whatsoever right so you know it, it's i i hear you on that one like if, if this were a world where i was sitting there and it's like vigo mortensen was nominated instead of christopher walken 
yeah, I, I, I get it. Like, you know, I, I'd sit there, but not our, not our place at this point. Andy Serkis was our, uh, our two towers guy and he's, he's already in. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Like yeah. he's like you said, like he, Chris Walken is good in this movie, but is he the best supporting actor of all the movies that came out in 2002? Right. It, you know, it wasn't like Christopher Walken in Deer Hunter. It's it's right. not yeah. that level of acting. It's just he's good in this. He's good. No. He's different. He's good. But is he is he as good as Andy Serkis? You know, people like that that year. I don't think he is. Daniel Day Lewis. I don't think he is. I I yeah I, I agree with that. Uh, so best supporting actress. Do we want to talk about Amy Adams? Well, let's hear who's nominated first. So it's won by Catherine Zeta-Jones in Chicago. Mm. Uh, Kathy Bates is nominated for About Schmidt, in which she has a nude scene. I don't want to hear about it or see it. <laughs> uh, Queen Latifah in Chicago, Julianne Moore in The Hours, and Meryl Streep in Adaptation. This is oh not boy. a case where Meryl Streep just gets a token at, um, nomination because Meryl Streep she's actually very good in that. I, I, I think it's too star-studded for Amy Adams at this point. Uh, I, I think her performance is great, but uh, these these are just like top notch actresses that we're talking well, about. Well, Latifah. I mean, are you, is, Latifah, is that what you're thinking? Well, not because Latifah is bad or anything like that. She's right. she's she's great. But Catherine Gina Jones is nominated for the same movie, and you know how much I hate that. Right. So if I'm gonna make a case, it's gonna be. Get rid of Catherine Zeta-Jones would be my shot. Well, she won. Yeah, she so won. So I, I, uh, I, I like her in Chicago. I, I think, and I have, I, I've had the hots for her since I was like three. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. I, I, I guess I would probably agree with the if you if you really wanted to make a case for Amy Adams, I would I would say Latifah. But I think she's good in the movie too. I think she's good in it. But I mean, I haven't seen some of the other performances. So yeah, I'm I'm not. Yeah, we can, I, we can we can leave it alone if you want to. Yeah, let's when we re- revisit this year, we can we can keep it in mind. Like I, I want to be cognizant of the fact that like I'm looking at this list and like, and I know we're looking at this as, as performance only, but I have to look at my own biases and like what I right right for. Like, do I want to kick the only woman of color out of this? Like the only acting nominee of color this year, right, than Selma right. Hayek, I guess. I yeah I, I'm 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 good with keeping this. All the Amy Adams is Before, fucking excellent and should have been nominated for that for for um for Enchanted. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my foot down on that. I have to look at the nominees from that year. Right. I think she should be nominated as best. Before actor. we move on, I got to tell you guys my funny Queen Latifah story. It's very short. Okay. I went to the movie theater with Gia when I first met her, and we were going to see some movie. I don't remember what movie it was, but the theater was packed, and there was a trailer for some Queen Latifah movie. And right in the middle of the trailer, she's sitting with some guy who was like her love interest, and he's like, "I'm going to take you out, but you better not get a salad." And she's like, "You," she's like, "You better believe I'm getting a steak." And as soon as she said that out loud, I went, she's big. And the whole, the trailer went, the trailer went quiet when I said that. And the entire audience erupted in laughter. It was my finest moment. Yes, Derek. I went, she's big. And then everyone died laughing. And I was like, I didn't mean for that to be heard. But it was, it was my finest moment. That was brilliant. And you timed it perfectly. That, I yeah. can imagine that sort of like Peter Griffin. Eh, she's big. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, like after that, I was walking tall. I was like, you know what? I should be a comedian. <laughs> Anyways, and it just it fell silently just at the right time. Yeah, my next my next three or four jokes just fell flat compared to that one. So, and they haven't stopped falling flat since then. Wow. Uh, never gonna reach the heights. Wow. Of... Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Derek. Uh, now we're coming to the most important part of the podcast, in which you. 
take 30 seconds and I'm going to time you out on, probably insult our listeners and tell us why this is the greatest movie of all time. Are you adequately prepared for this? Uh, I'm, I'm adequate. Okay. Keep striving. You'll get to competent someday. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> trying. <laughs> all right. You, you ready? Let's do it. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so I'm not going to insult anybody today because it took me a long time to see this movie and it took a long time to, for Jack to see this movie as well. So I'm not going to say you're all idiots for not seeing this movie, but I will say that this is a great movie. The acting's phenomenal. The story's really compelling. The editing, everything about it is really good. Great directing. I recommend this movie. If you haven't seen it, it's okay. Is it you done? I'm done. All right. That's time. That's like 22 seconds. Great I know. Play. I kept it short today. I don't want to, I don't want to insult. I, if I insulted people for not seeing this movie, I need to insult myself. I, I and so. I love myself. That's true. It's, <laughs> listen, this one's, if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix right now. Check it out. Uh, I usually, Jack, I usually say like, fuck you all. I start off with a really bad thing. So I went light today. Yeah. It's good. If this is the new Jerry. anything like your, uh, your one on your music podcast about Crosby Stills, Nash and Young. Nash and Young. <laughs> like I'm gonna find that reviewer's house and I'm gonna murder him. I'm gonna family. burn his house. To, yeah, I, I'm trying to keep. You know, st- I'm trying to re- remove violence. Yeah, Robert Patri- Christ going me. Patron yeah. saint of this podcast. Maybe if he was an actor, he'd be a Rick's guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me, me and Rick have a uh, Rick's guys and Rex guys. So I, I like one, one of my guys is definitely uh, Paul Dano. I don't think we've added them. I just think of, think of a uh, milkshake whenever I think of him. Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The Rick's guys so far are, I mean, Chalamet's one. Um, who am I? The Rick's guys. Let me. Uh, the running list. The running Rutger, 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 Rutger Hauer. Rutger Hauer. Yes. Uh, yeah, good solid shout. Here I got four so far. I've got uh, I've got Tim, Timothy Chalamet, Rutger Hauer, Keith Stanfield, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, I was mad that you grabbed Hoffman. <laughs> I, I gave you somebody in, in return for Hoffman. I forget. I don't even remember who's my guys. Paul Dano. I think Robin Williams, you wouldn't let me have. I wouldn't let you have him. I wouldn't. I, I stood. I stood my. Rick ground. Rick vetoed me having Robin Williams. No, um, yeah. Oh, Sean Bean I, is definitely one of mine. Yeah. yeah, for sure. He's like so. He's from not far from where I'm from in the UK. Oh, he's at Yorkshire, he's right? Like, Yorkshire. Yeah, that's it. So it's where the, the lads from Nevada Cartel are from. And there's a story that was in the news maybe like ten years ago. He was at a bar in Sheffield. I've heard this. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know, Rick, if you've heard this, but basically some some dude like attacked him. Some guy went for him with a broken glass and kind of caught him in his arm. And then uh, the guy got arrested. Obviously, ambulance came like, are you OK? You've been kind of like stabbed with a shard of glass. And he just wrapped like a beer towel, a beer mat over it and just kept on drinking. <laughs> do you think do you think he grabbed the guy when he went to stab him he's like not with 10,000 men. Could you do this? <laughs> <laughs> it's just folly. <laughs> It is folly. Folly. I love that Sean Bean's accent, folly. And like in Game of Thrones, he has that moral like, he's a boy. (laughs) I can't do it. I can't do it, but I digress. Yeah. Sean Bean. So what what are we eating with this movie? You get that's that's your that's your your deal. Catch me if you can. I don't know what I'm eating for this movie. There's not a lot of food stuff in this. I'm having a martini. I'm I'm having a drink. Summit classy and yeah. Yeah. I think I'm just gonna do like Popcorn because it's a Spielberg blockbuster yeah. flick. Need I'm a gonna big, uh, massive thing of popcorn. I'm gonna go with a very odd. I'm gonna grab the purple Hawaiian punch from the supermarket, the one that nobody grabs. Yeah, <laughs> the purple one, and I'm gonna eat Cheez Its. Cheez Its, okay. 
Cheez-Its and purple Hawaiian punch is, is, is this, this movie is a, cause you walked in the supermarket. I'm telling you only, everyone only buys the red, the red Hawaiian punch. There's blue, there's purple, there's yellow, there's green. There are other flavors. People grab the purple. I'm sure it's grape. I'm sure of it. Are you? It could be just like random purple flavor. It's it like berry. It's it like berry. It'll it's probably like, come from a packet that says purple. Yeah, but it's just purple. Purple E seven eight one nine eight. Not berry knows blast. It's an artificial purple flavor. Like it's not. Yeah, it's not berry blast. It's like purple seventy two. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and if you've had purple, if you've tasted purple, you know what it tastes like. Oh, you know exactly what purple tastes like. Uh, yeah. yeah. Purple has a flavor. Yeah. It's purple. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like orange has a flavor. Exactly. So that's it for our episode in Catch If You Can. Next week, our 50th episode. Holy shit. 5-0. And we're doing a big one. The, by money, biggest movie of all time. Yeah. Avatar. James Cameron, our first Cameron. Hopefully our last. Hopefully our last. I'm not a James Cameron fan. You're out of your goddamn mind. I, 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 I am. I, I take am. it back about your Star Wars lightsaber take. This is your worst take. Name, name me three other great James Cameron movies. Terminator 1, Terminator 2, Aliens. Okay, I don't like new James Cameron movies. <laughs> he has, he's had two movies since 1998. Which new James Cameron movies don't you like? What am I thinking of? Wait, who, who did the... Uh, oh, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong guy. Who did the, 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 um, uh, the cars that turn into machines? Transformers. Michael Bay? I'm thinking of Michael Bay, of, I'm sorry. You confused James Cameron and Michael Bay? Hey, you know what? The, you know, they, they, make, they make big movies. <laughs> okay, it was I'm, Michael Bay who I don't like. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a music. Like, I, almost said, I almost said, wait, who directed those? Jason Bay, <laughs> the former Red Sox player. That's me confusing. I don't know. Like if, if we were like talking about Tom Petty, uh, just to pull a name out. And I was like, do you mean Pitbull? No, it's not. No, 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 no. It is not that different. <laughs> oh, it's, it's actually it's Pitbull. I don't like. I like Tom Petty. <laughs> oh, sorry. Did I say Tom Petty? I meant. I thought. I thought Pitbull I did. Mister Worldwide. I thought Pitbull did Free Fallen and Mary <laughs> yeah. Jane's Last Dance. <laughs> but okay, so yeah, I, I'm fine with that. Plus, I don't know. It just what's with the, all these sequels? There's like five sequels of Avatar coming out. Like, what the hell? Well, we'll see. We'll see if that actually happens. But uh, you know what, James Cameron. He calls his shot every single time. He's got, he's got divorces to pay for. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's going to be a fun one. And then the week after that, we're looking back, back through our history. The first episode, we did Jurassic Park. From Jurassic Park to Avatar, we're going to rank the 50 movies that we've done. We've got ballots coming in, and it's going to be exciting. Yep. And, and again, reiterating this, if you want to send in your ballot to us, just make sure you've seen at least 45 of the movies. Because if you've seen less... I, I don't think that that counts. Yep. Find us on social media and you can get your ballot to us. Uh, if you would like to have your voice heard, ideally we will uh, get it from our, our guests on the show. So Jack, if you want to do a 50 movie countdown real quick, look back at our history, go for it. Um, oh, why not? Yeah. But yeah, you can send us uh, an email. If you're listening out there, greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. So, and then, uh, we have a real fun uh, rest of the fall and uh, rest of the year coming up. We have that some you know tentative plans, um, you know some pretty it's pretty solid plans. I would say for the rest of the year it's going to be fun time. Yeah, we're keeping this train rolling. Oh yeah. So Jack, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything you want to talk about or plug or anything you want to want to 
uh, send out to the world? Uh, thank you very much for having me, Rick and Derek. It's been a blast. Um, I'm on, I've released a new single about a month ago and it's called We Are Not. So if you type in Jack Manning into Spotify, uh, Jack Manning, We Are Not, go give it a listen. I mean, if you've got Instagram, just type in J Manning Music and you can find out when I'm next releasing something or next gig. And hopefully one day Derek will do one in Boston again together, like yes, old times. Absolutely. All right, I'll I'll be there for it next time. Whenever, whenever the end of days is uh, the big, the beginning of days or something. Something I don't know, unless COVID (laughs) twenty five hits or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yes, thank you for for doing the shack. We really appreciate it. Loved having you on. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's been fun. All right, so I have been your co-host Rick Barrasso. I have been your co-host Rick the Big Deckboski. Keep churning that cream into butter, everyone.